Hello, welcome to York Street. We hope that this sermon will be an inspiring and impactful one, just what you need at this time. For any of our sermon-based studies, please head to our website at www.yorkstreet.com.au. So grab a cuppa, grab your notebook, whatever you need, and we hope that you enjoy the sermon. Well, my name's Tim. If you don't know me, I'm on the ministry team here at Yorkie, and um, there's one thing that I'm really, really good at. Actually, I think I'm exceptionally good at this. In fact, I actually think of all the people in the world, I may actually be the best person in the entire planet at this thing, and that is humility. <laughs> but enough about what I think about my humility. What do you think about my... No, no. Um, it doesn't work, does it? Arrogance and humility don't, don't work. You, you can have humility and truth. And sometimes, I don't know if you watch some of those um, shows on TV where it's like a talent show, and you can tell some of the judges, some are quite arrogant, some are quite humble. Someone might say, you know, like, of all the people I've heard, you're the worst in the world, you know, quite arrogant because they, they have skill, but they're, they're showing, they're almost elevating themselves by putting someone else down. Another judge might say, hey, look, you know, I, I see your heart and I see your passion. You're doing a great job. You, you may have missed a couple of notes, you know, and, and the audition was horrendous. They were terrible, but they're showing humility in you know, speaking truth, but showing humility. Humility is an attribute that sometimes we don't see so often in the world. People are pretty happy to tell us how good they are. But actually, humility is so important. As, as we come to a time of Christmas, I wonder if you've thought of the humility of Jesus Christ and what that means for us. I mean, really understand that there was a price that Jesus paid to come to earth we know that he paid a price on the cross, but what price did Jesus pay just to come to earth? And what does that mean for us? Today, as we continue in our series of heaven coming down, we're looking at what a humble arrival means for us today and tomorrow. So before we dive into scripture, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you that at Christmas time, we're able to pause and stop and remember of the price that Jesus gave for us. Not only on the cross, but when he came to earth. I pray that you would reveal through scripture today just what that means for us and draw us closer into a relationship with Jesus Christ, we pray. In his name, amen. In the, uh, the Forbes online journal, which is a business magazine in 19, uh, 2019, in the March edition, there was an article that, that spoke about how humility in the corporate world, in the business world, humility is unconditional. It's a non-negotiable. It actually said, uh, for anyone trying to build a great company, humility is non-negotiable. In Good to Great, James Collins shares the management research shows that humble leaders, in addition to driven leaders, is one of the, mo the, the top two indicators of a, a company's success. Humble leaders and driven leaders. Those two things are one of the number one contributors to success within an organisation. This is the business world. 
Nothing to do with church, nothing to do with faith, nothing to do with family. This is making money. In the, in the business world, being a humble leader and a driven leader is, is such an important thing. It goes on to talk about how in business, if you have a collaborative ex- uh, approach of including other people, you'll hear other people's ideas. And if you can be humble enough to hear a different idea that could be better than yours, it will benefit your organisation rather than thinking you've got all the answers. Like this incredible journal article, nothing to do with, with faith, but everything to do with humility. And you go, wow. So with that, we've got to understand a little bit more about what humility is and then to understand what it is to, to, to have an understanding of what Jesus gave up to come to earth. And to do that, we've got to take a step back. So if I was to ask you, picture heaven in your mind. Picture what heaven looks like. Now, hands up if you picture clouds. For some reason, I think it's because we point up. We think heaven's like clouds, yeah, there's there's some hands, yeah, sometimes we picture heaven, you go clouds, yeah, little wings, you're like flying around, flap, flap, you know. Um, What about golden streets? Yeah, there's a few more hands, golden streets, you can golden streets and clouds, like, oh, I got the both, The, the, the pearly gates, which is like, which is huge, yeah, we've got all these different images, don't we, of heaven. And some of these come from scripture, some of these come from Hollywood. And, and, and so I think we need to actually, we'll read a bit of the Bible and see what the Bible has to say about heaven. We're going to go to Revelation, Revelation 21. And starting in verse 21, we have this, this John, the author, describes what heaven is like. He says, and, and the 12 gates were like 12 pearls. Each gate was made of a single pearl. Now, either that is a really big pearl or a really small gate. But, but each gate was made of a single pearl. And the streets of the city were pure gold, like transparent glass. It, the, the gold was so pure, no inconsistencies, no contaminants, that it was see-through. Wow, we got so so John who who writes Revelation is going, wow, it's it's amazing. He's describing the, the, what the, the images look like. But then he goes on to say this. Revelation twenty one, verse twenty two onwards. And I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb. So you picture the Old Testament, they were, they were looking, that they always had this temple, right? They were following a tent round in, in the time of, of Moses and they're going looking for, for a place that set up the tent and in the back of the tent was this place called the Holy of Holies and that's where God's presence would be when they were offering sacrifice and they'd go in once a year into this special place that was set aside and God would come down, it'd be all really special and... and and then even in the, the New Testament, they, they built some temples. And even to this day in Jerusalem, there's a wall called the Wailing Wall, which is the last part of the temple that was left after it was destroyed in 70 AD. And people still go to that wall in the Jewish culture who, who don't believe that Jesus came. And they still mourn at that wall. That's why it's called the Wailing Wall, because they don't have a place to worship God. They don't have a temple. And then we see in Revelation, hey, there's no need for a temple. This is where God is. You are in the Holy of Holies. You are in the presence of God. There's no need to close your eyes to pray. You can talk straight to him. It's an incredible place. The temple is the Lord God, the mighty and the Lamb. 
And the city has no need for sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light. Once again, Moses in the Old Testament, as as God passed behind Moses, Moses didn't look, but Moses' face shone radiant because it was in the presence of God. That same glory, that same radiance lights all of heaven. The glory of God gives its light. And its lamp is the Lamb. And by its light, all, all the nations will walk, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. And its gates will never be shut by day, and there will be no night. Now, the idea of gates were, in the cities in those times, they would, they would close the gates for protection, to, to protect off enemies. It was to close the gates because it was safer when the gates were closed. And then there's no need to, to close the gates because it's safe all the time. There's no danger. There's, there's nothing that can hurt you in heaven. It goes on to say they will bring in into the glory and the honor of the nations, but nothing unclean will ever enter it. And nor anyone who, who does what is detestable or false, but only whose, whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. And it talks about those that believe Jesus will, will get to go and be in this incredible place. But there's no evil. There's no wickedness. There's no fear. There's no sickness. There's no mental there's no, there's no social anxiety. There's no, there's no um, crippling disease. There's no pain. There's no suffering. This is heaven. This is where God is. This is a great place. This is, this is the ultimate goal. This is perfection. This is what we were designed for. And then Jesus leaves that place to be born into a food trough. with animals and stuff all over the floor in a, in a stable. And I wonder if we've actually thought about this, like Jesus left that to be born into a... Ma- like why? Why a manger? Why would he leave heaven to be... Like, like that's not just born into a small, humble town. That, that's below that. that that's... That's, that's really, really bad. Spent the two, first two years of his life as a refugee in Egypt. Like, this isn't just humble beginnings. This is, this is crazy to think, why did Jesus leave heaven and be born in such a, a humbling space? What, what did he, like, we, we're starting to get a picture of what he gave up, but why? And to answer this, we're going to go to the book with the answers. Some of the answers are in the back, which is nice, but some of the answers all the way through it. And we're going to turn to Luke chapter 2. If you've got your Bibles with you, I encourage you to look at Luke chapter 2. The words will be on the screen. And we're going to read actually the first 20 uh, verses of this chapter. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should take place for the entire Roman world. It was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. If you ever struggle with a name, say it really quick and with confidence, and you'll get away with it. Quirinius. And everyone went to their own town to register. And so Joseph went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee, Judea, 
to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house of David. Now, we heard just a couple of weeks ago that there was a prophecy that was being fulfilled that was 700 years old. 700 years before they said, hey, in the town of David, a Messiah will be born. Now, who decrees it? The reigning superpower at the time, that the governor of Syria, so, so this census takes place. Caesar orders a census, which is in the idea of this is to make money. If I know where people are from, I can tax them. I want to know how many people there are so I can work out how much money to get from them. And, and through this means, a prophecy is fulfilled. David goes to Bethlehem. He went to register to, with Mary, verse 5, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloth and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And this is where the, the, the story shifts pace a little bit, place, because Luke, the author, the, the academic that, that catches all the historical facts, changes a little bit. And he goes, and then there were shepherds, like shepherds, like um, people that like look after sheep and stuff, like shepherds that were out living in their field nearby, and they're like keeping watch over the sheep, over the flocks, like of all the different animals, there's like of all the different professions, like shepherds. I'm not putting my arms through it because I tried that in the last service and that went horrendously wrong. So much better. <laughs> Let's try. Okay. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> so natural. <laughs> and there were shepherds living out in the field nearby, keeping watch over their flocks. And an angel of the Lord appears to them, and the glory of the Lord shines around them. And they were tetrified, terrified. And the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. So just for this moment, we see these, these shepherds that are just living their life, looking after sheep. And the same glory that is in heaven, the same glory that lights heaven is opened up. And while Jesus is born, this glory shines down. Heaven comes down to earth. And the shepherds get a glimpse of the light of God, the glory of God. And their response is that they're, they're petrified, they're terrified. And the angel says, don't be afraid. I've got good news. And not good news just for, for you, but for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a, a sign to you. You will find a baby. This is how you're going to find him. Here's the, this is the criteria. You won't find him in a house. You won't find him. You will find him wrapped in clothes, lying in a, a manger. 
Then suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared, and the angels praying God, saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. And the angels had left and gone into heaven. The shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was laying in a manger. And when they'd seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told to them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for the things that they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. You see, what we see happen in this moment is heaven opens up and these shepherds get a glimpse of heaven. And they point not to any person, any baby, but a specific baby in a manger. Humble beginnings. You see, the the idea of this, this is where humility comes in. You see, humility is inclusive. Jesus didn't come to be born into riches or born as a king or born into this space that, that would elevate his his um, reputation or give him a head start in life, he was born so humble that he was born down with the animals. Humility is inclusive. Humility puts others first. I'm going to take this off because it's really tight. I'll just do this for a bit. (laughs) There we go. We got it. Humility puts others first. I want you to know that God loves you so much that he would send his son, that Jesus would choose to leave heaven to come to earth for you. He humbled himself to leave perfection to be able to come to earth for you. He loves you that much. He puts you first. Humility serves others. Humility isn't isn't about self. Humility wants to give and wants to help. Matthew chapter 20, verse 28 says, Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many, as we know he did on the cross. I want you to know that Jesus left heaven so that you and I could go there. Jesus left heaven so that you and I could go there. He humbled himself so that we could have someone to follow that could relate to us. He had the experiences that we had. He knows what it was to be rejected by his family. He knew what it was to be rejected by his friends. He knew what it was to be hungry, to be lonely. He knew what it was to be spat on. He knew what it was to be hurt. He knew what it was to be rejected. He knew what it was to have fun. He knew what it was to have joy. He knew what it was to to live life. He knew what it was to work hard. And he did these things so that when we come to him with prayer, he knows what we're going through. We know that that he can relate to us. But more than that, he went through everything that you and I go through without sinning once, without giving in to the temptations that we give into, without lashing out in anger in the moment out of a hatred or a response that comes from an insecurity. He, he, he made these decisions through life to always put us first. The first cost that he gave up was heaven to come to earth. The next cost was never to sin in those moments where he was tempted. 
The third cost was when he went on the cross for you and I. Jesus left heaven so that you and I could go there. When our, when our kids were really young, we used to read a book to them called The Little Nut Brown Hair. Anyone know that book? Yeah, I thought this service would be in that book, <laughs> in that zone, that time frame. And, and it's about this, this hair and, and two, uh, a dad, a brother, is it a brother or a dad? It's been a while. A dad talking to their child about how much we love each other. And they, you know, this much, this much, this much. And they jump and they do all these things and explaining how much they love one another. And at the end, spoiler alert, um, one of them points to the moon. I love you all the way to the moon. You know, it's, like, it's this huge story. There's one more, but I'll, I'll, I won't wreck the whole book for you. But I want you to know this. When it comes to love, God loves you this much that he would send his only son from heaven to earth for you. He gave up that place with no pain and no suffering. He gave up that place where there was, there's no sickness and just sitting in the glory of God and his radiance to be able to be with us because he loves you that much. Which leads to the two, the two challenges for today. The first challenge is this. Have you accepted the love that God offers through Jesus Christ? Have you accepted this gift that God gave us where Jesus humbly left heaven for us? Have you accepted that? He relates to what you're going through. He wants to be a part of your life. And if you haven't accepted that, I want you to know you're actually missing out. There is a better plan for life that, that is a part of when we walk in hand in hand with our Lord Jesus Christ. He wants to guide us. He wants to be with us in the good times and the bad. He will never leave you nor forsake you. And if you would love to accept Jesus into your heart, I want to lead you through a prayer right now. And the prayer is super simple. And if you want to pray this prayer, close your eyes and just repeat these words in your heart. You can read them out loud if you want to, but repeat them in your heart. Jesus... I invite you into my life today so that I can learn more about you tomorrow. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. It's good to know someone's listening. This is good. If you prayed that prayer, come and see one of us after the service, some of the staff, the band, K-teams. Uh, we'd love to have a conversation with you. And just start that conversation. If that, any K-teams, if that gets you scared, come and see me. It's all good. We'll do it together. All good. God loves you this much. For those of us that do love Jesus, and this is where it gets tricky, humility and arrogance can't live together. If Jesus was so humble that he would leave heaven to come to earth, are we humble enough to accept that Jesus is leading us each and every day? Are you humble enough to let God be the God of your family, or do you want to control it? Are you humble enough to say, God, I need you in my workplace? Or do you think you can do it yourself? God, I want to be humble enough to, to know that you are in charge of my finances or are you trying to control it? Because humility and arrogance can't live together. And I want to say, you and me, every single one of us will have areas in our life that we are not fully giving to God. That's not a guilt trip. That's just our discipleship journey. I don't know what movement I'm doing, James. I'm sorry, is it that one? Nope. That one? Nope. Not that one? <laughs> that one? No, uh, I don't know. I don't know. 
each, <laughs> each and every one of us has areas of our life that we can improve on. And the beauty is that it's not, not a place of guilt that we do it. It's a place of love. Jesus gave all. So why don't we just invite this journey and be invited on this journey to go, hey, I want to give all back to you because you gave all for me. Jesus came down so that we could go up. Jesus humbled himself so that we could learn what it is to be humble. And when we learn to be humble, that's actually when we come to a place of seeing heaven on earth. These incredible shepherds were sitting there just doing their job. And all of a sudden, they saw heaven. The glory of God shone around them, and their lives were changed forever. And we get to see the glory of God when we see people walk humbly with God. When my people who are are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, we read in Scripture. And, And when we humble ourselves and go, God, we don't have the answers, but you do. That's when he shows up. I want to say yesterday, reverse advent calendar, box dropping day, I just saw so many glimpses of heaven, of people serving and using their gifts and being generous and kind and loving people and accepting people. I had conversations with a number of people that came through. One one conversation really stood out. She said, oh, look, um, could I help out next year with what's going on here? I said, yeah. She goes, oh, but, but I'm not religious. So I cool, me either. <laughs> She's like, what? So oh, I'm not a big fan of like institutionalized religion, but man, I love the church and I love Jesus. But you don't have to be religious. You just love people. You know, her journey started, and there's a little glimpse of heaven shining through someone that's on this journey who sees what's happening, can see heaven in action, and wants to be a part of it. She was drawn into the body of Christ, serving God's people. Isn't that just beautiful? Isn't that just amazing? I reckon half of the people that we took down and if after the service, go and have a look at the, um, the youth hall. If you don't know where the youth hall is, come and see us. We'll show you where it is, where the boxes were. And about half the people that we went down and showed the youth hall and explained what was going to happen and how that this, this incredible opportunity to help people in need, uh, which is tomorrow, was going to play out. And people just realised, I thought I was just bringing a box I didn't realise I was giving dignity to somebody that had lost it this year. I didn't realise that I was empowering someone to have a, a, a gift for a single mum at Christmas time when they wouldn't have had a gift because they would have gone without. And we hear these stories start to play out and people are, like, are just so emotional. Why? Because this is what heaven looks like when people humble themselves and serve. And we see it all the time. People in the workplace, people in the family, when they humble themselves, people on the mission field. We see heaven come down because it comes from a place of humility. We don't have the answers, but we serve the one who does. And so we go to him. So my challenge this morning is if you haven't accepted Jesus, will you accept him? But for those that that follow Jesus, is there an area of your life that you have been trying to control that you need to release to him this year? Because he gets what you're going through. He understands what it is. He is accessible. He he is humble. He's here to serve. He didn't come down for nothing. And do you think he's going to leave you hanging? He's not just going to go, oh, yeah, I came from heaven and I gave all that up, but no, I'm not going to meet you here. Like he gave everything. He's there. He wants to help you through that. He wants to transform you. He wants to, to lead you and guide you. And that means that we've got to do some work too. We've got to be open to see how he's communicating to us, see how he's guiding us, see how he's, he's speaking to us through word, through others, through, through voices, through 
the church, through worship, God speaks in so many different ways. Are we humble enough to let Jesus speak to us and be obedient to him? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for who you are. We thank you that you humbled yourself when you came down to earth. We thank you that you showed us how to live. And we thank you that as heaven came down, you made a way for us to go up. Lord, we pray for that day when we get to be in your presence and your glory when we get to realize that there is no pain and no more suffering, when we're in that incredible place. But Lord, in the meantime, may we see heaven here on earth. May we see your people serve. May we see people humbled to the point where they are open to your leading and your guiding. And in doing so, see those glimpses of heaven, those glimpses of kindness and of generosity, those glimpses of people's lives that are transformed into your image, those, those incredible moments when people are released from bondage, from those things that hold them back, that they thought was their identity, but they find their identity in you. God, we pray that this Christmas there would be a joy in knowing that you are with us and you love us that much. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you would like prayer or to find our sermon-based studies, please head to our website or check the description below for a link. If you enjoyed the video, feel free to share the video like, subscribe, and hit the bell icon for updates of when we release new videos. Remember, life can be tough, so let's do it together.